My 19-month-old woke up so early this morning. She was just ready to rock and roll. I was in a daze, but I managed to get up, made her some breakfast while I downed some coffee. I created a princess rock and roll wonderland because she's all rock and roll vibe, and then took a shower while Lee choreographed a dance for both of them in order to keep her preoccupied while I showered. And then we basically bounced her back and forth while we took calls, which we had scheduled so that it wouldn't overlap. When did it get like this? Since we've been stuck at home. Scary fear. Scary fun. Scary mommy speaks. <laughs> wow, what a morning. I woke up, made breakfast for my three-year-old. He dropped it, so I made another breakfast for him. Walked the dogs, read to him while doing laundry. Not an easy task, by the way. Constructed an activity center for him so I could do some work calls without being disturbed. Then Matt took over. He made lunch for Sebastian. He dropped it, so he made another lunch. He washed dishes while reading to Sebastian. Again, not easy, by the way. And then we put him down for a nap so we could both do work this afternoon. Can you even believe that? I can't. That's crazy. And that's why we're talking with a nursing expert, Nancy Travis, a progressive RN director of Women and Neonatal Services. Nancy is also a member of AWAN, which is the Association of Women's Health, Obstetric, and Neonatal Nurses. She's going to give us advice on how to manage kids at home right now when we just don't have childcare and we are all working from home. We also have Cassandra, a mom of two, who is going to tell us how she and her husband partnered up with neighbors in their apartment building to share childcare duties and talk about how she and her husband split time between their kids. That gives a whole new meaning to Won't You Be My Neighbor. I can't wait to hear how they manage that. I cannot wait. All this, up next. Scary Mommy Speaks is brought to you by Huggies, who knows how important it is to hear from moms who are in the same boat. They get it. This is a moment in time where we could all use a helping hug, information from a trusted source, and some levity to brighten our day. Isn't that the truth? Being a parent during this time has made this kind of connection mean so much. Thank you, Huggies, for making moms feel seen. Our first guest is Nancy Travis. She's a progressive RN director of Women and Neonatal Services, and she's delivered babies for over 40 years, Carrie. I'm not even going to do the math to try to estimate how many babies. It's a lot of babies. It's a lot of babies, yeah. It's a lot of babies. Nancy has tons of experience and has taken the time to share it with us. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Nancy. Hi. I'm very happy to be here today. We're very happy to have you. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, my name is Nancy Travis. I am a registered nurse, and I am working in the maternal child health area, and I've been a nurse for 43 years, always working with mothers and babies. How are you affiliated with AWAN? Well, I've been a member of AWAN for a very long time, and I am currently the Florida section chair, so that makes me responsible for all the AWAN nurses in the state of Florida. So I know that we've kind of reached the stage of lockdown where maybe we're not necessarily required to be home all the time, but we are staying home a lot more. What do you find moms are most concerned with in regards to their young children right now? Well, We are still in a weird state of affairs that we have never been in before. We're finding ourselves more at home with our kids, 
for longer periods of time either. There's no school, there's no daycare or limited daycare, and some moms are still not working as much as they would have been working or they're working from home. And that brings a whole nother set of challenges for them. Like, what do you do all day? We're cooking at home more. We're trying to make things easy for ourselves. And just people are concerned, you know, they're still not going out as much as they would have in a normal situation. What questions should moms be asking? You know, I think questions that moms should be asking are when it's time to go somewhere, do I take the baby with me? Do I take my toddler with me? Or do I leave them at home with somebody to watch them? Or is it a necessary trip? And then mom should be asking, what can I get for me? What is it that I need right now? So whether that be help with something in the house to take care of the kids or just different things, what's in it for me? What can I get? What do I need right now? I like that question. That's an important one. What should we be looking for if we're going to put our kids back into daycare? Number one is the daycare open. And most states have come up with regulations for how many children they can have in the daycare at one time. And can they have adequate spacing between the children? Daycare is such a um, great tool for moms. But we have to make sure that it's going to be safe for that baby too. And I know that watching kids go through the daycare and it's a great huggy place. And they've also said that the pandemic has really hurt the people that like to have hugs. And I'm one of those people. So I like Mm. to hug and I see all the kids, you know, they like to hug each other coming in in the morning and hug each other before they go home in the afternoon. So what is that school doing or the daycare doing to separate the kids a little bit? So looking at those kind of things and will your child be safe when they go there? So of course, you're not going to send your child to daycare if they have a fever or showing any signs of illness, but is the daycare asking you those questions? Are they taking temperatures of the children that are coming in each day? You know, frankly, taking care of children, which is, I did that for a long time as my job, it's hard enough. So I don't envy the daycare workers that need to take all additional precautions when it's already very difficult to take care of children, but it's so important. Right, right. So this one is uh, one that is pretty close to home for me. My son's going to be three in about a month. And we're just wondering, you know, can they start having play dates? What is the protocol? Should they keep their masks on? Yes. So play dates are great. And what I would recommend and what I've seen looking around is if you can have them outside, it's a lot better than having them in inside where the air's not could be not as well circulated. But outside, there's more room for them to play and have fun. They can be a little bit socially distanced as that's difficult for kids to do. But getting outside, make sure that they know and parents should be talking to their kids now and they should be practicing washing your hands. So you wash your hands before you go up out on the play date. When you come home from the play date, you wash your hands again and make sure that when they come in, from a play date. They come in, you take their clothes off and put on some new clothes and throw those clothes in the washer. My son wears a mask. He's pretty good at not touching things. He gets it for the most part. The touching his face after touching other things is kind of uh, what we struggle with. Any tips on that? (laughs) 
just hoping that their hands are as clean as possible. I mean, it's okay. very difficult. It's difficult for all of us not to touch our face. Practice washing your hands. They know about hand sanitizer, or as some of the kids around me have been calling a hand sensitizer. Um, <laughs> so we play games with, I have a lot of grandchildren. I have 14 of them. So we played games with our mask washed our hands with the hand sanitizer and then we washed our hands in the sink to practice that too. So having those kind of fun things that you're doing at home anyway are going to help when you're doing the play dates. What if we see we're out with our kids and we see other kids playing? How should we explain to our kids or word it that we have to keep a little bit of a distance from them? Just explain it that you're going out, whether it be for a bike ride or for a walk. A lot of the parks around us are still not open. Kids like to be around other kids. They like their social creatures and they want to go over there and play and find out what the other guy has. What's that toy? What's that cool thing that they're playing with? Discuss it before and tell them you can go see him, but put your arms out all the way out. Make sure you're staying at least that far away from That kind of helps. I like the airplane, like being an airplane and keep your arms out and that's far enough. You can't come closer to me. Oh, that's a good tip. That's a really good tip. All right. So moving on to kind of the structure part of all of this, you know, it's been really easy to kind of not have a set schedule because we don't have places to go. If kids aren't going to school or daycare, do we still need to stick to a strict bedtime? That is totally up to the individual parent. It is, I would say, no, you don't have to stick to a strict bedtime, but kids do like structure. I feel like my child paid you to say that. Yeah. Keep a routine as much as possible. So if it's a later bedtime, then maybe it's an hour later than normal during the school year. A schedule does help. You just mentioned structure is important for our kids. Could you give us an example of what a structured day might look like for them? Sure. So plan out your day. This is something that daycares do very well. And what we do very well when we're working is you have a certain time that you get up and then you would plan out your times that you know you're going to eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then it's important to build in some snack time in there. Snacks have been a big issue for some of the moms I've talked to. I know one mom told me she put a sign on her refrigerator. She has school-age kids, and she wrote, you're not hungry, you're (laughs) bored. So go to the store, and you buy a bunch of snacks, and thinking you have enough for the whole week, and then they're gone in one day because everybody's like, oh, I'm going to just go in the kitchen and get something else. This applies to grown-ups, too, I think, because I'm having the same issue. Yeah, the COVID-20, I think they're (laughs) calling that. Hit it, got that. (laughs) Yeah, I got that, too. So having that time that if you plan it out, you know that at two o'clock is going to be snack time, then you're going to get your one snack and you're not going to get anything else till supper time. That helps. Then plan screen time or your TV time and then plan play time in the middle of it. And then if the kids are still going to school, have some time that they're doing their schoolwork. Then outside time and don't forget nap time. Nap time is great for mommies too, so that they have time either for themselves or maybe even to take a nap themselves, or if mom's working, that she has time that she can get her work done. So I know that with moms that have been working from home, where if mom knows that she's going to have a 
conference call at 10 o'clock in the morning, then maybe that's the time that the little one is watching TV or having their screen time so that it's something that is an activity that could be planned out that's going to last the whole time that that mom thinks she's going to be on the conference call. Piggybacking on that, what about for moms who have multiple children of different ages? One is homeschooling, one's a daycare, you know, one's an infant, <laughs> lots of fun things. Yeah, that is difficult. And especially with the younger ones bothering the older ones because they're not used to having them at home. But having a little space, uh, I know that it has worked with a lot of moms to have a space available just for the older one. And I've even seen them putting like painter's tape on the floor (laughs) and setting up little areas that are just for that child, which works well with the older kids, but not too much with the the littles. I love that because my partner is obsessed with painter's tape. So we have so much of it around the house. I'm always (laughs) looking for an excuse to use it. I'm like, why do we have so much painter's tape? We've never even painted. It works great. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he can paint. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot too. But that seemed like a great idea. Set the rules down that when that person is in that space, they're doing their quiet time work. You just gave me an idea. You know, there's those like circuit classes that to try to get rid of the mm-hmm. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. You yep. can sort of do a circuit for your kid. This square is where you do uh-huh. your snack. And this square is where you do your homework or this square and make them feel like they're moving through the day. I've just had that. Brilliant. Right. Brilliant. That's a a great idea. That's a great (laughs) idea. Yeah. So you could do little centers just for the kids. Right. Like Candyland moving across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Set it up almost like a game and set a timer. Timers are great for kids. They like to know it's only going to be here for 15 minutes. And when the timer goes off, you can move to the next square would be really fun. So the importance of including dads is something that we want to stress. In many households, moms have been carrying so much of the workload at home. Um, How can we split the duties, particularly in a household where there's quite a bit to juggle? Oh, yeah, that's very important. If you have a partner, sit down and talk to them. They're very important and they want to be involved. Typically, everybody wants something to do. And dads are struggling with staying home, too. So coming up with that to-do list together, especially if both partners are working from home, it can be difficult, but typically you can work it out so that you have your time, they have their time for important things. But partners can take time and help you with different things. And most of the time they are very willing to do it if you just ask. And that's the problem that a lot of women have, and I always tell moms that are going home from the hospital and women that have had surgery, is we like to do it all. And we feel like we're women, we can do it, we're going to be home and we'll be able to fix everything and clean everything and do everything perfectly. And then it takes a toll on us. But we have to be able to speak up and tell people, I'm in this too. (laughs) And I need some help cutting up carrots for snack for tomorrow. I need some help with teaching colors tomorrow or whatever it happens to be. And usually the other person is more than willing to know and to help if you plan it out. Well, on that note, do you have some tips on how to split the duties between partners fairly or maybe some ways that moms can effectively communicate to their partners that they need some help? Yeah, I think the list really would help. 
you know, you can go down the list and usually there's favorite things that you like to do and stuff that you hate. I'll feed the cat, you feed the dog, you know, those kind of things. And just having the list of what has to get done for your household really does help. And that way you can put it out and pick your favorite things and then argue over those that are not favorite (laughs) for either of you. (laughs) Good plan. For our moms out there who don't have partners to help them out, can you give us a strategy that might be easy to implement to make their day a little bit easier? Well, I think that the same kind of thing is structure. So for those moms, you really have to build in time and and you may not have the downtime. Now I know it is hard. It is a definitely a lot harder when you don't have someone that you can rely on to do it or if you're the only one home and the partner's at work the whole day and not available to help and you have to kind of do your work too, is the structure can help. Just knowing that those things are going to happen at a set time and have to do a lot of pre-planning and then making sure you're building in a little bit of time for yourself, whether that be going into the bathroom and shutting the door (laughs) for whatever amount of time you need it. Or crying and screaming in the closet. I've done that one. Yeah, I've done that one too. I think all moms (laughs) have done that. (laughs) For our working moms, what is a strategy that they can use for balancing work and child care? And how can we communicate to our employers that we're trying to juggle it all? Employees have to realize that many of us have kids at home. We have responsible sometimes for parents or what whoever else is in your household. And it is a little bit crazy out there now, and they have to understand that. If you're, you've been upfront with your employer, most good bosses are going to know which employees have children and what's going on in their lives. So be honest with them, and they got to be honest with you. If they don't need you at a certain meeting, you know, sometimes we've opted people out like, okay, you don't have to come to the 10 o'clock meeting. We know you're doing the school there in that time. Go ahead and you skip that one. We'll get you caught up. If it's a job that can be done at any time of the day, they're starting a little bit earlier, like they may get up and do some four to six or working later into the night to do the same kind of thing. If it doesn't have to be done at a set time. Side note, I hope that continues because I think now that we, this is just an aside, I think now that we are seeing that certain things can be done virtually or at different times as long as the work is done. I hope right. this continues after this because I think that's a real it's been a real issue with the working mom in general. Yes, I agree. I agree completely. And a lot of things that we didn't think that could be done, we can never pay you to stay at home and do this. And now we're learning that yeah, it really we can pay you and we didn't need you to come into the office and do that. So what a gift that will be for moms that are out on maternity leave or whatever that they may be able to get some more time to stay home with their babies. And thank goodness we're finding some positive notes on this pandemic that we may be able to push into the future. Yeah. So you've made it very clear that time for yourself is so, so, so important. It might seem obvious for some of us, but can you explain what that is? I mean, I could use a reminder, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody can use a reminder. I think time for yourself is very, very important, even if it's taken 30 seconds to take a deep breath and to know you're doing an okay job. You're doing the best you possibly can. And there's lots of apps out there that you can get on your phone 
that you can put on there and just reminders to take deep breaths and to really just let it go. We don't have to be perfect, but we have to take time. When I had three little ones, I remember, oh my gosh, I just want to go take a bath by myself with nobody coming in the door. And sometimes that's all you need. True confession, I sometimes make up errands so I can just be alone in my car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) So the next question is something that personally, I know a lot of my friends and some of my family members have had a real issue with or had a hard time with this. So if a family chooses to stay distanced, how do they communicate that to the family members who may be more lax about social distancing? Like, is there a way to tell them in a better way or, and even going further, how can we explain to kids that they might not be able to hug or kiss those, those relatives? You can say, look, for us, we've decided that we're going to stay socially distant for a little bit longer. I know it might not be right for you, but for me, this is how we're choosing and we'll be glad to FaceTime with you. We'll be glad to do any virtual visit. We're good with that. And it's really, it is tough when one person wants to do it and one person doesn't. If you explain to kids and kind of talk to the children about what's going on, they know, they know something's up. If we had ever walked around our kids six to eight months ago with mask on, they would have been scared of all of us. And now it's kind of like normal. It's like, well, they got a mask on. Okay. So just talking about it normally with your kids, they know the rules and they'll follow them. My son says he'll watch a commercial and see something about it and says, mama, people are sicky. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, they're sicky. You know, I haven't like just to give him the general idea, you know, and he seems to get it. So I mean, then then there's the things that are going to be happening with temperatures and going to daycare and having to have your temperature taken, you can practice that kind of stuff like you do with hand washing, like you do with teaching kids how to brush teeth and that kind of thing. So practice taking temperatures and show them that that's just a normal behavior and practice taking temperatures and knowing that that's kind of fun. It's cool. It doesn't hurt. It's not like the olden days where you had to do temperatures in a different way babies and children didn't like. So now we got the little scanners and stuff. It's really doesn't hurt them. So they're like, okay, and now take, why don't you take a temperature on mommy? We have a story coming up about a few families who created a little family bubble with their neighbors to share the workload of childcare. How would you recommend going about such a plan safely at a time like this? Well, the same thing. You got to think about the same kind of things that the daycares are doing. So knowing that we're not going to drop off children to our group that are sick in any way. So before you take your child over to be in the little bubble, making sure they don't have a fever and not exposing everybody else to somebody that's sick, you're going to have to limit the amount of kids for us. I think it's like 10. They're allowing 10 kids in one teacher classroom that have the larger square footage but you want to limit the amount of kids that are in there. We have to had to do the family bubble with my son and daughter's families because she's got three and he's got three and they have to work different schedules. And it has worked out well. 
everybody's got to be responsible. You teach the kids the same things that you would be doing with one family. You teach it with everybody. So everybody's doing the hand washing, wearing the mask if you're in and they're getting close together. Keep them apart as much as you can. But yeah, it's it can work. You are such a joy. Can I adopt you as a mom? Sure. Please? Yeah, truly. Sure. <laughs> I have lots of kids, but I'll take some more. I have six kids and I have 14 grandchildren. So I... Wow. I'll take some more. I love kids. <laughs> I'm a good kid. I'll help you See? out. Don't worry. I love that. <laughs> Carrie, how much do you love Nancy? Listen, I already have two moms, a mom and a stepmom, but I'm willing to make Nancy my third. She's so great. She had so many great tips for parents of toddlers and older kids. I, I found her very informative. And we've been trying to get those toddler tips. Yes. You know, my bathroom has always kind of been my home away from home, my office, my sanctuary, if you will. I love my bathroom. The seating is great. Um, (laughs) But Cassandra, our next guest, is going to tell us how she and her partner have managed outside of the bathroom by working with their neighbors. This next segment is a feel-good dose of Helping Hugs brought to you by Huggies. Thank you so much, Cassandra, for joining us today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, how many kids you have, what their ages are? Yeah, absolutely. I am the mother of two kids. I have one four-and-a-half-year-old girl and one two-and-a-half-year-old boy. So you're in New York City where strict stay-at-home orders were put into place. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you and your partner managed here? Yeah, so my, my husband and I both travel. Uh, My kids were both in sort of school daycare and everything was chugging along. And then we realized very early on how quickly things really escalated and isolating and quarantining and all that happened weeks before there was even murmuring around here in New York. We both work remotely. So we're both still working full time with the two kids. So quickly discovered that my day was really trying to do everything at once. And that absence of community, like everyone, was really, really, really difficult. You know, you basically take um, working mom life and then, you know, the two kids like really threw me for a loop. And then you throw, you finally get used to that. And of course, COVID-19 comes along and it's everything on steroids. We realized that life would be a lot easier with the extension of community here a little bit on our floor. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that, how you and your neighbors on your floor decided that you should kind of combine forces? Yeah. So truth be told, we've actually were doing this long before COVID. The proximity of the apartments is almost funny. So you only have four apartments on our floor and three of us have kids all under the age of four. And some of us were sort of pregnant at the same times and things like that. So we're doing a lot of sharing in general, whether it be sharing toys, sharing clothes, hand-me-downs, sharing wine, uh, sharing <laughs> sharing lots the important of stuff. Yeah, the important stuff. Everybody's in bed. Okay, which apartment are we getting together to play a game and drink some wine and things like that? Whatever situation the kids have as far as childcare. They, you know, you need the cup of sugar, you need the egg. Well, it just sort of organically carried over to, hey, I have a quick call. Can you guys just play at your place while I finish the call? Or 
they're just at a level 10 today and I'm just trying to cook some mac and cheese level one and it's, you know, I'm not getting there anywhere. We need a change of scenery. Can you just come over, bring your set of little ones, even just switching places, new set of toys. It's a whole new world that just changes the whole energy uh, sometimes. So not only to get things done, but also to be friendly. It's really great to have that small circle. You know, one thing about New York City life that always is fun to me is that one whole floor of an apartment is the size of someone else's home. You know, like in a real house, it would be like, oh, she's in the bedroom, she's in the kitchen, except it's just two different apartments. (laughs) They can definitely hear our like guest bathroom is right across from our front door. You know, when they're in the bath with the water and the tile, it just ricochets straight down the hall. So I'm pretty sure bath time is heard all around. So what caused you all to form the shared family plan to tackle your workload? These times when you're a parent and you're a mom and you're a working mom and you get to these moments where I call it like being at a 10 and you're just like, I don't know where to go from here. I'm going to explode. We all have these moments, and now, at least I'm seeing these moments come more often, and it's feeling like it's at a 50 instead of a 10, and everything's like a pressure cooker. Pressure Mm -hmm. cooker. Everything's, you know, a little more intense. There's a little more pressure. We've had to let go of a lot of our standards, TV, sugar, (laughs) bribes, whatever it is. These things that, you know, you hold in your back pocket, they just, I mean, I'm just like dealing them out, like it's just to survive. So those moments are not far and few between and having just one step outside of the immediate family of everybody stuck in this tiny apartment is, it's in, I mean, it's incredible. And even if it's just for 15 minutes, it, it changes and shifts everything. This it takes a village approach, which I'm always an advocate of. I'm a big fan of it. Do you think you could have done it alone at this time? I mean, I think it would have looked a lot differently. And I say that because somehow you get through it and you do it. So it would have happened. We would have been able to do it. It wouldn't have looked the same if we didn't have just this one step out, this one bubble, this one, you know, tiny little village. It's a constant And it's not even plan B. I mean, it really, just that shift of energy and knowing that it's there as an option. I mean, I know that a mom can do two hours worth of work in 10 minutes. And that's what I feel like my whole day is, two hours work in 10 minutes every 10 minutes. But knowing that there's someone else there. Your circuit training, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, where are my muscles? My mom was a single mom and she used to say that a mom can do anything like if she if it has to get done she will find a way to get it done but at what cost exactly so it's how does it look like at the end right are you completely depleted are you yelling are you using all the options that you know you really don't want to use are you feeling successful at the end of the day it's coming out much better than i ever could have done it on my own every day is just much more positive you know, knowing that that's there and using it and being comfortable to use it. I'll also say that I have other mom friends. We have other friends with kids. It's not like you can ask them for a favor and not feel like you owe them something back in a way or not feel like maybe it's too much to ask. I mean, you know, we have two kids and especially people with one kid, they're like, I'll watch your kids. And you're like, 
are you serious? Like, you have no idea what from one to three feels like, <laughs> like even for an hour, you know? So it just feels like a big ask or that you need to repay it somehow. And there is none of that here. We're all stuck together and like nothing is out of the question. Were you guys worried about social distancing? And if so, how did you guys, how did you all get over that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we were very worried about it. And so was everybody on the floor. Very wary, very hesitant, doing thorough research and waiting. And when the dust started to settle a little bit, obviously we don't know, and we don't know what we don't know yet. But once you realize that everyone's comfort level or lack thereof comfort level with germs and access to the outside world, what's everyone's sort of behavior around this like? We found that everybody was quite similar. And everybody was working from home and everybody was sort of following the same standards with introducing groceries into the house and other things, going to doctor's appointments or not going, you know, all these sort of day-to-day activities that have changed so much. Once we saw that everyone's sort of in the same range as us, we were comfortable with opening it up to this circle. I'll say that we feel really good about that because at some point you have to weigh the emotional and the mental tax that this is taking. My four-year-old has Zoom classes, and you can see the, the absence of social activities really, really being hard on her and on us as well. And so when you outweigh how much benefit it really does give us as a family, it's a no question. In my mind, we're just a family of 10 now instead of four. <laughs> I think there's also something really powerful to seeing, this sounds weird, but seeing another family struggle in the same way that you're struggling, it really helps. So opening up that like tiny community that you have, I think that just knowing that another person also is like, I'm drowning here, and you can say, yo, I'm drowning here too. And just even that is so helpful. And then being able to maybe give some relief to throw the life preserver and say, no, I got you. It's okay. I think just even that is so powerful. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Is there anything you'd like to say to the other moms, the the other parents, the moms and the dads in that circle of friends? I think the main message would be um, sorry. It's okay. I think the main message would be they are all a lifeline to us during, you know, one of the hardest times. I mean, I I hear you because I'm the first person to offer help and I have such a hard time accepting it. It's so weird that we're just built that way sometimes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time. I mean, this whole thing is about how it's hard to find time and help. And here we are taking your time. So thank thank you. you so much. You're welcome. I hope it helps. Ashley, what a great idea, especially with so many of us now transitioning to working from home for the foreseeable future. We really have to start thinking outside of the box about how to get help. Absolutely. And, you know, those of us who don't live in apartment buildings can adopt this ourselves. You know, I don't live in an apartment, but I I feel like this is such a creative almost innovative idea for what seems like the foreseeable future of not knowing what's going on that I might start talking to my neighbors and seeing if we can kind of create a little uh, a little bubble like this. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like just as long as everyone's on the same page, it is something that just seems to work really well. Yeah. You know, we've even had this discussion with a few friends where it's like, we're starting to open our bubble. Do you want to be in it? Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. Yep. I feel like I've learned so much in these last few episodes. Me too. Thanks to Huggies, we connected to Awan, who put us in contact with experts in nursing like Nancy and Paris and Heidi and Lachey. And all the nurses we've spoken to have been so informative and calming. And hearing from our very own scary mommies has made me feel a lot, a lot less alone in all of this. Oh boy, Carrie, timer just went off. You know, my kid shift is about to start. Matt has a call. Yeah, and I'm swapping with Lee in 10 minutes and I'm in charge of snacks. So, you know, serious business. Fun times. Well, we have to go, but we're still here. So please continue to send us your stories at scarymommyvideo at gmail.com. See you next time. All right, mamas. Thank you so much for joining us today. We had a blast. If you love this show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help more moms find us. And if you want more Scary Mommy, be sure to subscribe to Scary Mommy Speaks wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want even more Scary Mommy, subscribe to Scary Mommy TV on YouTube. Scary Mommy Speaks is a Some Spider production. This episode was produced by Dorothy Abrams and Julie Katakis. Edited by Dorothy Abrams. Music provided by Audio Network. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. So email your comments to speaks at scarymommy.com. Scary Mommy Speaks. (laughs) 